0: Welcome to the Quartering Podcast for Thursday, the 20th of October. First up, Ethan Klein demolished by Ben Shapiro after revolting comments on H3 Podcast, and his staff rages. That'll be a yikes from me. You know, it's been interesting. I covered yesterday uh, one of the heinous things that um, Ethan Klein said about Ben Shapiro. But actually, earlier in the podcast, there was another section that was... Almost as bad. Predictably, today, there has been some commentary on it, as well as Ben Shapiro responding to everything, and we're going to cover all that. It's, it's, it's curious to me that as of this morning, hasn't been a single article written outside of one small conservative outlet. Pretty curious. A bazillion articles written about Kanye West. Now, I get it. I get it why um what the excuse is for it but it's still a truly heinous thing and this may shock you youtube has not issued any kind of punitive uh direction whatsoever prominent youtuber ethan klein says he hopes ben shapiro gets it first if there's another incident i don't even want to repeat these things because People, you know, who who uh, don't like me will take that stuff out of context and pretend like I said it. This is an article over on the on the Post Millennial prominent liberal YouTuber Ethan Klein told his viewers uh, that on his hopes that if there is another terrible incident that Ben Shapiro gets the gas first. Shapiro is of course a fellow YouTuber and the founder of the Daily Wire. Now I've looked around for the joke, and this is what. People are saying, and you tell me now, look, I have defended jokes in the past. And I, and I, I, guess like if this, if, if I'm wrong about this, you let me know in the comment section. So the defenders of this statement is, are saying that he believes now he didn't say any of this. So this is all added exposition from his fans that, he, that he believes that Ben Shapiro is leading us towards another big H type incident. And because of that, he hopes he's the first one to get it. I don't really think that's a joke either. I think what this is is a weird comment, a hateful piece of commentary. Um, And, like, it's just really bizarre. Klein, who is so progressive that he called for, the obviously, the NRA incident, which was just five months ago, uh, also deleted interviews he had done with Jordan Peterson. Of course, we know that. This after Shapiro has defended his colleague, uh, colleague Matt Walsh's attack on Fox News for having uh, run a puff piece on California. Uh, we have to call out this evil lunacy wherever we see it. He's talking about going after Fox. Shapiro had that had said that there would be a, it would be absolutely despicable lunacy if I saw it on CNN or MSNBC. To see Fox News is a complete complete betrayal of anything remotely assembling conservatism or decency. In response, Klein said Shapiro was a hateful little B word. This is back in June. Now Klein has called for Shapiro to be quote gassed just as so many Jews were during obviously the big H where um, everyone knows Klein also has lashed out at Joe Rogan, criticizing Rogan's health choices despite being obese himself. Joe Rogan who lives on elk meat, ed yolk and HGH with lungs full of tar thinks he's healthier than everyone wrote Klein on Twitter. Um, yeah, you know, I don't I I think that, you know, Ethan is in, you know entitled to dislike the people he wants to and for whatever reason he wants to. It's just it's just he's so full of hate. He's so angry for a guy that has it all. He's got he's married the love of his life. He's a multimillionaire. He's got a clothing line. He lives in some mansion in Beverly Hills somewhere in California. He's got a, you know, loving family. I just don't know how someone stays so hateful. Well, he's got a he's got a profitable company with a dozen employees, Um, and at some point there you have a responsibility to your own viewers too. Where like are your own employees like to not get you know struck off the internet, to not get you know forced to take a week off because you still have to pay these people. Now I'm sure you know if if it were me, and I'm sure Ethan would too. You know he's still going to pay them. Uh, if if this is his, you know, self-inflicted wound. But Ben Shapiro did respond saying, if there were another uh, big H, I would hope that Ethan and his family escaped. But maybe that's just me uh, opting to take the high road, uh, receiving, at least, at least at this time, 18,000 likes. Uh, and he followed up soft pedaling. I. Uh, 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 uh hamas and lying about the idf while chortling over which jewish people go in the next big h is also an interesting look he brings up an old ethan klein tweet from 2021 uh, talking about israel palestine something that i'm not educated enough to have a strong opinion on i just um, but i remember at the time it was very divisive and you had a bunch of people uh, in the united states trying to take you know take positions um You know so he brought up an old tweet and i think that's basically the only thing ben said about it and it was extremely effective um and you know as of now um you know what's interesting is a lot of people are saying well ben shapiro didn't have anything to say when kanye west said uh anti-semitic things but he actually has here's a new article ben shapiro says kanye west recent rants resemble Nazi propaganda. I mean like what do you mean? Like Ben Shapiro absolutely has called it out and said things about it. And so, you know, I think that's obviously disingenuous um and this point obviously talking about Palestine Israel but it actually gets worse. So by the way, the video is still up. Um I'm actually shocked by this because of all the enemies that Ethan has built. It's like I'm surprised Andrew Tate, all his fans and all the other fans of people aren't yeah and and I guess maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's a joke. I asked yesterday for some of my Jewish viewers to to email me and let me know what they thought, and I had about a dozen people do so. And like, most people say that it's a generational thing, and that like young Jewish people will make dark humor jokes about it and it's acceptable. and i I spoke to like the only Jewish person I know, like knowingly is the guy on my dart team and he's like (laughs) very open about being jewish he jokes about it he he told me a a shocking joke about a a car's ashtray that even i felt uncomfortable hearing um and he you know like it's like um so i get that you're allowed to make the jokes i mean remember the seinfeld episode the anti-dentite app episode where uh jerry thinks that um guy a malcolm in the middle guy right um you probably most people probably know was breaking was a breaking bad guy anyway he's like he converted to judaism for the jokes like a schmeckle of whatever a schmeckle of gum or something like that i don't know um so i get that there are certain things that like from a optics perspective um you you get some leeway um but like let's take like some of that, some of that away and say that like, even if it wasn't about, like he still said, oh, I I wish or I hope that this horrible thing happens to somebody simply because I disagree with their political opinions. And, uh, like most of the comments here, um, you know, anti-Semitism, I think it's time you got banned. Here's 308, valiantly defends Jews against anti-semitic language two minutes later if there's another big h i hope they guess ben first 310 really dude that's not even funny even a little you need to issue an apology um i don't care about the joke but i do find it funny that only one side seems to get away with it i don't really think it's a joke i think he's just angry and lashing up because that's what ethan klein does Because the joke, there's no joke there. It's just like, oh, I hope this bad thing happens to him because I think he's doing something bad. That's not a joke. That's just being terrible. And, you know, I don't know if it's that, you know, because the H3 podcast is, is hemorrhaging subscribers. It hasn't grown in, I don't know, all year. Um, you know, you look at you look and maybe they're just looking for headlines. If you look at the H3 podcast for this is actually impressive. For a full year, they've done nothing but lose 10,000 subscribers a month almost every single month. They haven't grown. Uh, a ne- like just last week, they lost another 10,000. And they also suspiciously deleted a bunch of videos. I'm not sure what that was. So maybe he's trying to get headlines. I mean, he still gets really good views. There's really no denying it. I mean, he gets 20 million views a month. So the guy's making... 200 grand 100 grand a month off this podcast so he's doing just fine which is all the more concerning you know certainly i don't know if that how do i put this because you're jewish and you make some sort of reference to that i suppose it does remove the racism part of it but it certainly would require it i think it would certainly qualify as like you know something very bad And then even earlier in the very same podcast, they admit to like doxing or uh, they allege they, you know. I'm asking hypothetically. I'm not, of course. He's doing this thing again where he's talking about committing a crime, basically mailing something to um, uh, Amaranth's husband, apparently. Doing it or encourage anyone to do it. But that'd be, you know, if you just received a package and there was poop in it, that's just kind of. Trust me. He's doing that thing where he's like, boy, it sure, like if I was here, if I was saying, boy, it sure would be terrible if everyone, if everyone uh, went and timestamped the, the 310 and submitted a uh, complaint to YouTube. Well, it sure would be terrible if everyone, if everyone, somebody ever did that. He's basically like goading his followers to commit a crime. I mean, once it's public, he's going to be getting more shit than one man can handle not for me yeah not let's you. contribute not, no 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 <laughs> not for me What the hell are you talking about and i don't want anyone to ship him a box of of their f- homemade feces right dan should stop talking homemade. about this this is <laughs> this is not a good track we're going down oh dance fist okay people are saying it's illegal yeah that's yeah right. it's obviously illegal No, don't do it what am i doing and we've already almost Docks the wrong person and sent a hate mob of them. So, so of- that so here he mentions like we almost quote almost dox. So he admits that they send hate mobs, right? Not At- very sharp people in the audience that might take your comedic suggestion as a real suggestion and do it, but I, well, I mean, it's just not, it's just not what I would do or I got it man anyone did he's it. still and even here he still yeah. commits to it right he's still like What can you send that's legal in the mail then Dan? don't send him anything no I'm not, <laughs> not just stop talking about anything. harassing this guy what are you talking about I'm not harassing anybody I'm just hypothetically wondering he just can't like I mean this you whole know. section here would be like the the second part are you already of, ready for a week off talking about getting a strike <laughs> What? You think I'll get banned for that? Yes, absolutely. Encouraging your fans to harass somebody in You're real life. I'm not! You're the one that keeps saying I'm encouraging! I'm- he absolutely is encouraging them by doing that whole thing. Boy, it sure would be a shame if uh, everyone watching this video went and, and submitted a uh, 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 um, what do you even call it? A flag? I sure would be a shame if everyone flagged this video. Like, that's what he's doing. I sure would be a shame if everyone went and disliked this video. That's That's what he's doing, right? Like, Oh, it sure would be a shame if everyone went to Count Dankula's Twitter account and asked him why he's into the inflation-type videos, right? Like, that's what he's doing. And um, that that alone there could probably get him a strike, too. I suppose if somebody did send something, then it would probably be grounds. But maybe just, like, making a joke about it. Is, he's just playing it fast and loose with a lot of employees, and it's not a good look. But I suppose if, if I had realized that I had reached my peak and my channel had stopped growing... I'd probably care a little bit less, too. I wouldn't be so willy nilly with a business that makes millions a year, but I'm not Ethan Klein. I suppose maybe he's financially set and he's not worried about it. And next up, Elon Musk just announced a big update in Twitter purchase. Uh, Well, last night was the Tesla uh, financial like end of quarter reporting call, and there was a lot of interesting things revealed not really about Tesla, so to speak, as they continue to thrive, although Wall Street says they didn't make all of the money, so they're a complete failure or whatever the case is. Um, But he also, Elon Musk, made some very pointed remarks around the Twitter purchase, pointed remarks that caused the Twitter stock to surge and essentially completely confirmed that he has made his peace and that the deal is, in fact, moving forward. Basically, All that's left now is uh, the crying from uh, all the the lunatics on the left. But uh, okay, so in New York Post, Elon Musk admits, quote, obviously he's overpaying for Twitter, but he's still excited for the forty four billion dollar deal. I mean, essentially this kind of off the cuff remark on uh, on the call on the earnings call tells us that the deal's done like Elon's paying it. It's you know, they have the money it's financed. Tesla CEO Elon Musk admitted on Wednesday that he ah uh, he's obviously overpaying for Twitter, but the billionaire said he's nonetheless excited to own the social media site. Though myself and the other investors are obviously overpaying for Twitter right now, the long term potential for Twitter is an order of magnitude greater than its current value. The mogul's comments came at a time during the came during the Tesla earnings call that was held as his attorneys hammer out the very final settlement with Twitter. Musk said that this month he would, uh, he would end on-again, off-again friction with Twitter. He would end it by buying the site for $44 billion. But both sides are still negotiating the details of the deal and have not reached a final agreement ahead of the October 28th court deadline, sources close to the deal said. If the deal isn't closed by the end of the month, Twitter lawsuit against Musk will go to trial. I mean, of course, it's going to be done. I mean, you don't come out on the earnings call and say like, hey, I'm pretty pumped uh, to get this, you know, take ownership of this now. I mean certainly in elon's musk um in elon's mind the deal is done shares of the social media giant jumped 1.5 percent to 52.50 in after hours trading following Musk's comment wednesday indicating increased investor confidence that the deal will go through at the previous price of 54.20 analysts have speculated that musk will need to sell billions of dollars worth of tesla shares to cover the bill for twitter musk was barred from selling shares in the lead up to tesla's earning report but is now allowed to sell them he did not address whether or not he would do so on Wednesday's call well I think that's exactly what they were waiting for is after like now that the call is done I am sure that he's initiated the sale of those shares to finance the deal and I sus I expect the deal to be done by Friday um at this point uh he's got to move around many billions of dollars so he's got to sell stock it takes time to sell and move to um you know, move to his bank account. Musk also told the conference call that he saw a path for Tesla to be worth more than two mammoth companies, Apple and Saudi Armco combined. Some critics on Twitter blasted the audacious prediction as an attempt to pump the company's stock as Musk prepares to sell his shares for Twitter. I mean, I mean, if you know anything about Elon Musk, the guy's been, you know, overpromising promising uh, for years. Now, he's still delivering... Uh, a lot of important technology, including many things that I use in my house, whether it's the solar wall, uh, the power, uh, you know, backup for my house or, you know, solar roof panels or, um, the very internet that allows my business to run in them because I live in the middle of nowhere. I'd never be able to live stream if it weren't for Starlink. Like to be honest, like Starlink, the existence of Starlink, um, made me have the confidence to kind of go off the grid so to speak and uh it's been seamless and so yeah i'm a little bit of a fanboy so to speak but you know the everybody else seems to be you know going nuts about it you can see gizmodo elon musk seems all in on his twitter purchase in the tesla investor call elon musk couldn't stop himself from talking about twitter even when no one really asked in the QA portion of the call with Tesla shareholders on Wednesday, the billionaire said unprompted that he was looking forward to acquiring the social media company despite the hefty bill. I'm excited about Twitter's situation because obviously I know that the product I know the product incredibly well, and I think that it's an asset that's sort of languished for a long time but has incredible potential, Musk opined. And his eagerness about the online platform is apparently enough to keep him optimistic through the major acknowledgement that, quote, myself and the other investors obviously overpaying for Twitter right now. In Musk's view, the long-term potential for Twitter is an order of magnitude greater than its current value. Now, what happens with all the alternatives if if Musk takes over? I still think, even with Elon Musk owning Twitter, that it's extraordinarily important to have new tech options. I'd hope that people don't stop using them. But as I've talked about uh, with other a few other people over the past couple of weeks and in my own videos, that... We have so many alternatives whether it's truth gab getter parlor now allegedly it's you know like people who want kind of like free speech are getting to the point where they need to kind of pick one and really congregate there because people will use twitter and you know they'll use twitter and gab which i think is still the best uh solution for free speech and for um the freedoms that people want uh but people are not going to use Twitter, and, and, and. So they're not going to use Twitter and Gab and Parler and Truth and Getter. Just not going to happen. So, you know, if you really want to have a viable alternative to Twitter, then one of these alternatives has to kind of step out. Gab has its own, like, um, optics issues, which is why I think it hasn't really become the go-to. Truth, I don't think, is viable. Parler is dead. And Getter is full of, you know, bots. So, like... I don't know, you know, and now I think a lot of people are kind of holding serve in terms of, you know, uh, people who would would ultimately support new and alternative technologies are just chilling right now. They're waiting because if Elon, like, all I ask is that Elon's, like, so if all, all the people that, you know, want alt tech were to just say, hang out on Twitter, as long as they remove the shadow banning. Um and enforce the rules evenly, there is much less of a need. Now, Musk has hinted and tweeted a vague plan to transform Twitter into his long-rumored X or Everything app. And in recent days, the richest man on earth, or uh, meme posting has framed the ongoing embattled battled company acquisition as some sort of grand scheme to return free speech to the Internet, along with Kanye West and Donald Trump yeah for most of the past couple of months, Musk has seemed far from enthused about the Twitter deal. Almost immediately after making his offer back in April, the billionaire began having cold feet. Well, that's a lot of dimp. It's a lot of money. I mean, uh you know <laughs> i i've I've uh you know spent um money on a pair of shoes that I immediately regretted, and that was like seventy dollars uh, or paying for a video game that I know I probably didn't need to buy you know because I have an old you know backlog that's a lot of dollars. It wasn't $44 billion, you know, it's so much money, it's like unfathomable. You know, we don't even know, I, I wouldn't even know how to consider that. You know, how to even think about that. Now, is there a big upside for Twitter? I would suspect so. You know, I would think that uh, it's only just touched its potential because of just how much time people already spend on an app that really doesn't do anything you know it's good for like getting a quick update on you know what people are talking about what's interesting what's going on in the news but like ultimately it doesn't really add any value and for the amount of time that people have you know spent in the app i'm sure that there's a ton that elon could add uh whether it's called x or that's just you know that's a placeholder and it remains called twitter and there's more to it I'm just anxious to get on shadow banned. That would be really nice. And to get a bunch of people uh, back on Twitter who are unfairly permanently banned, because I think that would, be, would make Twitter a lot more interesting. And next up today, She-Hulk just revealed its disgusting true goal. Coming across this, uh, well, interesting article, and I suppose given the topic, probably not the best lead-in, but I thought it was an interesting... Uh, way to kind of conclude the She-Hulk uh, narrative, the She-Hulk arc, as it's now become pretty clear that there will not be a season two for She-Hulk. Uh, some of these comments are pretty interesting. We all know that the media has kind of war- you know deemed it a massive success because it totally owned the toxic haters, but We don't really know much about the ratings as these things are obfuscated nowadays because there's no advertisers involved, so they don't actually have to share transparency. It's one of the biggest bummers uh, about covering media since basically everything's gone on streaming. We'll never really know. We don't know what kind of real viewership Rings of Power had or She-Hulk or House of the Dragon. We can speculate, but I thought this was an interesting, um, revealing topic. the, the, not just the title, but the, the, um, lead in reads, She Hulk hookup scenes don't disqualify it as a kids show, says, uh, the show's creator. I'm pretty sure that, like, they do. I, I mean, like, okay, maybe I'm a prude, but, um, like, no, I'm pretty sure it does. And the, and the way they worded this is, like, extra creepy. She-Hulk director wanted to make a sex-positive show that kids could watch. Okay. The history of breaking the fourth wall gave Marvel and Disney Plus She-Hulk attorney-in-law permission to break pretty much any rule established in the MCU. But what truly opened doors for the creative team series director Kat Corio tells Polygon was Titania Maslany's take on Jennifer Walters, the hustling lawyer under She-Hulk's gamma-irradiated green skin. Jennifer was decidedly not larger than life, at least not in human form, and without a uh, ticking-clock evil villain premise pushing her in every direction, Marvel got to explore su- superhero in a totally unique way. Now, if you watch the show, basically the only way they did this was have her hooking up with guys. Um, quote, The thing I always loved about the show were the smaller moments and being able to see a superhero coming home, kicking off her shoes after a long day of work, Corio says. She cites Ant-Man as one of her favorite Marvel movies simply because it has the little kinds of peaks in a normal life. And while Corio was thrilled to stage Daredevil halfway or hallway fights and momentary, and the, uh, I'm sorry, in the momentary season finale brawl between Hulk, Hulk King Abomination, and She-Hulk, she was excited to take the series to uncharted places in the MCU, specifically the bedroom. Yeah, this is what all Marvel fans have been clamoring for. I mean, I know whenever I watch Spider-Man, I'm like. Why can't I jerk off to this? I really need some hot superhero action going on uh on my on my screen. That's what, you know, you know, endgame made two billion dollars, but how much more would it have made if like Scarlet Witch and um and Vision, you know, had an intense bedroom scene with a resume littered with I'm sorry, we always felt there there was fear around sex and the idea Of its positivity, she said. So it was our job to keep having the conversation. We wanted to say, look, she's a woman in her 30s navigating modern life, and hooking up is a part of that story. Actually, it's not. Um, You know, hookup culture is probably one of the most damaging um, uh, new fads that is driven by like app, uh, social media hookup apps, and things of that nature. STDs are on the rise, you know, people's marriages are getting destroyed. Uh, people are less happy now than they've ever been. I'm sure it has nothing to do with indiscriminate hookup culture. Um, Maslani was game to take the character there. I know it's something very important to her. This idea of positivity, hookup positivity, and a kind of a smashing the rules when it comes to women and the way they're perceived. A lot of the conversation around um, this spiceifying in the show comes from Titania and we're with her. Now, again... You know, she hookups, hooks up with, I think, in eight episodes, three different guys. I mean, good for her, I guess. Get your rocks off. But maybe that's why she's so unhappy. Maybe that's why no guy thinks she's worth keeping around. is because she keeps sleeping with everybody. But, I mean, who am I? I don't know. Um, You know, the thing is, this type of, like, topic is, is, like, fine until you add four kids at the end of it, which is really weird. We want to make it realistic about a woman navigating hookups. But also make it something that everyone can enjoy, including children, because there's an element of the show that's really fun f- for young people. Well, I'm not exactly sure. Maybe that's the missing thing. Maybe they need to put that in the next Finding, you know, Finding Nemo's G spot or whatever the case is, like in the next in the next uh, Pixar movie, uh, or, or or um Sex Toy Story Five or something like that, because it's apparently, you know, it's funny because it makes you think about all those. Remember all those like um uh rumors or like uh I don't know if they're even if they're even real or if they're like urban legends about all the stuff that you know Disney kind of creeps into their movies um but like again if you want to make the show like uh like um you know even like PG-13 which is what I think the show probably is um that's fine but I'm not sure why you'd want to have this as your quote like talking about making a show for kids about you know, hookup culture. And they say how She-Hulk beat its toxic haters by making them villains. It actually didn't. It, it didn't. In fact, the people that really didn't like this show, like you turning them into the quote-unquote villain, just created more content. In fact, it also created uh, essentially a, a self-fulfilling prophecy in that the people that were watching this show knew it was going to be cringe and like... um progressive and over the top. I mean, there's nothing wrong with being progressive in general, but like being over the top, on the nose, you know, men bad, and it was. So I'm not exactly sure who you owned because they didn't tune in. Like the people that you hate, they didn't tune in. Um, So you didn't really win. I mean, you got a few headlines in in a few articles about how you totally owned the toxic man babies, but you didn't really get over on anybody. And they have the intelligentsia's misogynistic arguments. Jen doesn't deserve her powers. Why do we need another woman superhero? The Hulk is better anyway. Um, A reminiscent of not only real world sexism, but also the toxic trolls. I actually don't, I don't think I saw any of that, to be honest with you. Because She-Hulk was an existing character. So it wasn't like, you know, maybe in, when the original comic book came out, maybe people said this. I'm, I don't think I was even alive then. But there wasn't really that. Um, I never really saw any of the "we don't need another woman superhero" argument that they claim was there, um, and also that she doesn't deserve her powers. Never saw that either. I saw the cringe. Um, I've suffered more than you because men can't call at me, uh, even though you know the Bruce Banner lost his entire family and you know gave gave everything up in his life. Um, I saw that. You know it says a thousand percent. She Hulk director Kat Corio told Mashable in a video interview. We knew we were going to be coming under some fire before She-Hulk even aired. The show was review brigaded on sites like Rotten Tomatoes. What I think was funny is that like, essentially they, this is why you don't get a season two, although I really hope that, you know, that isn't the case. I hope that there is a season two, um, because so instead of writing a good show, they were far more concerned with like owning the haters which is like a really weird thing. I mean, I guess I understand it here and there, but like, okay, so you got your yes, slay queen moments, but the show sucked. And like, people don't want to actually like um, deal with, for them to send these negative messages, it really plays right into the hands to show we're one step ahead of them. Well, again, you don't need to be like some kind of super genius to know that like this was going to happen. So like, it's like, oh, so the entire thing is like circular logic. Like we create this show to own the haters because we think they're going to hate the show. You make a bad show, they hate the show, so you get validation. I suppose it was an experiment and like uh, they were jerking off to, to, own, you know, owning men. I mean, this is exactly a show like, you know, like um, if you look at the writer's room, they look exactly like the type of people that you would think uh would be writing this show. Ultimately, if there is a second season, you know, I'm not I'm not sure that there is. And then by the way, to be fair, uh as far as I know, very few of these Disney Plus shows, this in particular the Marvel shows, get a second season. So it's not like She Hulk would be the first one to not get a second season, to be fair. Um I sincerely hope they do give it a second season because you know I would love to see more um totally owning the haters. Um, you you see, how do we normalize having shows for children being universally hookup negative? Like, man, people are really just outing themselves here like nothing. Uh, you know, I I guess like, cool, you want to talk about this stuff with kids on the Disney Channel, hookup culture, you want to say you don't need no man, you know, okay. And last up today, Amazon Busted lying about rings of power, showrunners keep making things worse. What's going on, everyone? Jeremy here from The Quartering, and it looks like some of the writers around the Rings of Power have been running around to do damage control, except they forgot one thing, is that Tolkien fans are pretty well-versed on uh, the lore, and well-versed in particular uh, the Third Age and characters like Gandalf, and it looks like they got caught in a little bit of a lie. This on top of the media putting out some weird gaslighting articles about how the show is totally amazing and a huge success. And why won't the internet trolls just admit it while also writing the exact, the exact same outlets writing articles saying that the show is not very good. In fact, one of them calls it a quote, complete stinker. Let's start with this article uh, over on bounding into comics Rings of power showrunner provides bogus answer for decision to include a wizard. Now, the short version is, you know, wizards were not around during this particular era. Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power showrunner J.D. Payne provided another bogus answer as to why he and his co-showrunner Patrick McKay in Prime Video decided to include a wizard in the show. The Rings of Power includes a character the show calls, quote, The Stranger, played by Daniel Wayman. A portion of the story follows his character's story as he arrives in Middle Earth as a comet or meteor, and that helps the hobbits in their migration, actually Harfoots, Uh, and eventually defends them from a number of minions of Sauron who were tracking him and believed he was Sauron, tracking the wizard. Um, When asked by Vulture's Jackson McHenry as to why one of the Astari is included in the show that's set set in Tolkien's Second Age, Payne replied, quote, We were laying out the menu, so to speak, we felt... Uh, We felt we would be in a classic Tolkienian epic. And uh, there were certain ingredients that we'd have to be part of it. Elves, dwarves, and halflings in the form of Harfoots. Now, they include Harfoots, you know, because they wanted all the member berries of Hobbits, of course. It was hard for us to think of a Middle-Earth tale that didn't have a wizard in it. But, I mean, this particular era, age of Middle-Earth did not, in fact have wizards pain continue we also found hints within the text that quote while the wizard's most prominent role was in the third age some of the astari wandered unknown among the beings in middle earth even earlier than that how convenient how convenient to cram gandalf into a story that doesn't actually include gandalf finally he concluded whether that's one of the ones that are named like gandalf or saruman or other ones, we will leave that to the series to unveil. No, see, they're actually purposely not naming them because they want you to think it's Gandalf. They want normies to think it's Gandalf. But it absolutely is not Gandalf. Quote, and the article continues. The answer is completely bogus as it direct, directly contradicts Tolkien's writings. Not only that, but it is another piece of ever-growing mound of evidence that Payne and the showrunner Patrick McKay are simply liars. First McCain and Payne previously indicated the show did not have the rights to a number of Tolkien's writings such as the Silmarillion or Unfinished Tales but they did have the rights to the Lord of the Rings books proper as well as their appendices. Payne told Vanity Fair back in February quote we have the rights solely to the Fellowship of the Ring Two Towers Return of the King and the appendices and The Hobbit and that is it. That's just not true. We do not have the rights to The Silmarillion, Unfinished Tales, The History of Middle-earth, and any of those other books. McKay would elaborate saying, quote, There's a version of everything we need for the Second Age in the books that we have the rights to. As long as we're painting within the lines and not egregiously contradicting something we don't have the rights to, there's a lot of leeway and room to dramatize and tell some of the best stories that Tolkien ever came up with, he added. They did not paint within the lines when it came to the inclusion of the Astari. And it directly contradicts what J.R.R. Tolkien wrote in the Appendix B concerning the arrival of them to Middle-earth during the Third Age. In the second paragraph of Appendix B, which is subtitled, quote, The Third Age, Tolkien wrote, quote, When maybe a thousand years had passed, and when the first shadow had fallen on Greenwood the Great, the Istari or wizards, appeared in Middle-earth. So we know, yes, they did not appear until the Third Age by Tolkien's own words Tolkien continued. quote it was afterwards said that they came as far out of the far west and were messengers sent to contest the power of sauron and to unite all those who had the power to resist him but they were forbidden to match his power with power only or seek to dominate elves or men by force and fear Tolkien further detailed they came before in the shape of men through uh, though they were never young and aged slowly They had many powers such of mind and hand. They revealed their true names to a few, but used such names as were given to them. The two highest of this order, to whom it is said there were five, were called Eldar, the man of skill, and Mithendir, the great pilgrim, but uh, by men in the north, Saruman and Gandalf. Joined often in these, so by 1100 of the Third Age, the Wise, the Astari, and the Chief Elder discovered that the evil power had made stronghold at Dalgadur. It is thought to be one of the Nazgul. So they go on basically, essentially, uh, you can read the rest of this article uh, on com. I don't want to take clicks from them. So, you know, if more specific Tolkien lore would directly uh, contradict that. Now, here's where also things seem bizarre, right? You had this article. Shows like The Rings of Power and She-Hulk have been runaway successes, but why can't the keyboard warriors admit it? Happily, these shows have proven to be huge hits, extremely popular with audiences and critics alike, despite the trolling. But that's just not true. Sure, House of the Dragon rates pretty well, but um, oh, that's not even mentioned here. Uh, the Rings of Power does not rate extremely well with critics. In fact, if you look at any one of the art critics on Forbes, or how about this critic uh, here on The Guardian writing, now that it's over, let's come out and say it. The Rings of Power is a stinker. So are you saying that like, um, you know, that they are that, that anybody who criticizes who didn't think the show is in fact a keyboard warrior? I'm not exactly sure, because there are dozens of articles from kind of like verified outlets that say the show was not very good. And I'm still here saying, I think that it could be, it could recover. It could be a decent show in season two. It really could. It could literally like change direction completely. Give me less of Galadriel. I'm not saying you have to remove the character, but I mean, she sucks and is unlikable. Um, you know, give us less of Don Lemon, give us, give us more uh, Hallbrand, uh, more orcs, more dwarves. Um, there is a recipe there where the show could be much better. You see in this article in Forbes, the culture war surrounding Rings of Power was more interesting than the series itself. So again, here's yet another article from a mainstream journalist, mainstream media outlet saying that the show wasn't very good. Before the show even aired, The Rings of Power was engulfed in controversy. Tolkien fans were alarmed to hear that Bezos had now held the rights to the beloved IP and his smog-like talents, especially after it was revealed that Bezos intended to replicate the success of HBO's Game of Thrones. The fact that Amazon only had the rights to one of the Lord of the Rings appendices, a summary of the Second Age, and none of Tolkien's stories, was another concern. When to- when Tolkien scholar Tom Shippey mysterious le- mysteriously left the series after serving as a consultant, fans grew worried that the adaptation would not be faithful, more focused on building the Amazon brand than respecting Tolkien's work. Well, we now know that that's the truth. You see, when the first trailer of Rings of Power dropped, the reaction was overwhelmingly negative. Bad CGI and an emphasis on floaty weightless action sequences hinted that the worst fears of the fan base were coming true. Commentators on YouTube spammed the trailer with pointed, quoted, falsely attributes uh, with pointed, quote, falsely attributed to Tolkien. Quote, sorry, falsely attributed to Tolkien. Evil is unable to create anything new. It can only distort and destroy what it has been invented or created by the forces of good. The diverse casting in the series also sparked a loud racist backlash. Tolkien's world, like many fantasy worlds, is a place of racial essentialism. The fan base has always been infected by, to some degree by racists. Prove it. I mean, that's the thing. Like, you're going to write that. I mean, okay, there's a hundred million fans. You could also say fans of the Beatles have always been infected by racists. Fans of Pepsi Cola have always been infected. When you have a, something that is this big, uh, yeah, you're going to have a cross-section of society in there. And it's such a dumb, like easily defeatable, pseudo-intellectual take. And they have neurotic quote in here. Of course, it was Galadriel's idea to make three Elven rings. Tolkien is sp- spinning in his grave. At one point, even Elon Musk joined in, tweeting that Tolkien is turning in his grave, complaining of the all male characters are unlikable and only Galadriel is brave, smart, and nice. Um, actually, I'd say that is pretty true. Um, I guess Hallbrand is probably the most second most likable character in the show, and he's supposed to be the bad guy. Even woke media shills can't defend Amazon's rings of power. Amazon can't buy reviews, delete reviews fast enough. Already low viewership continues to shed. It's so much more than a desecration of Tolkien's work. uh, And lore-breaking. Everything woke turns to junk. I mean, this is a show that had a 30-plus percent uh, audience score. and Even the critics only gave it an 84. It's not like it was undeniably a success. All I can see at this point as kind of the rings of power story arc um, uh, kind of winds down is that f- f- I hope for fans of Tolkien, like Amazon has said that season two is more canonical and um, they fix a lot of the things that were you know, obvious areas of improvement from season one. Given they're filming season two now, there's actually still time. Foolishly enough, as it may be, I'm still hopeful that they could fix this. I hope you enjoyed this video. We'll talk to you again real soon.